This is Weird Al Yankovic, and I'm here with Dave and Ethan. Together, we are Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. Episode 129-inch. On this week's episode, it's part three of our legendary four-part interview with the even more legendary Weird Al Yankovic. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. It's a podcast about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. You don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. Welcome, old friends, new friends, first-time listeners, last-time listeners, to episode 129-inch. A big thank you to all of you for making last week's episode, episode 128-inch, part two of our four-part interview series with Weird Al, once again, one of the most listened to and most talked about episodes ever. Yes, and thank you to everyone who is still tuning in to two weeks ago, episode 127-inch. That was the first part of our interview with Weird Al Yankovic, which also still continues to get lots and lots of listens and awesome feedback. Yes, very much so. We will have more of our interview with Weird Al coming up later this episode, so stay tuned for that. And with so many new listeners coming in recently, I feel like this would be a good time to give a little glimpse into our lives. Well, that's a great idea, Dave. All right, okay, so let's start with you. Like, we don't need a full bio or anything like that, but Ethan, what have you been up to lately, you know, outside of the world of Weird Al and this podcast? Well, on Sunday, I was in Troy, New York, and- Troy, New York?! That's where you can find vegan burrito restaurant Burrito Burrito, home of the two-pound double-wrapped-in-a-quesadilla Burrito Burrito, which is close to Wizard Burger in Albany, New York. Come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito, your Burrito Burrito. Or hop on over to Wizard Burger for mouth-watering, loaded, dare I say beefy, vegan burgers. From Troy to Albany to Uranus, Burrito Burrito and Wizard Burger feed the hungry with out-of-this-world, plant-based, real food. Always vegan style. Visit burritosquared.com and wizardburger.com to order ahead. But Ethan, I thought I asked you what you've been up to outside of the world of Weird Al and this podcast. True New York is obviously intertwined with our podcast and Weird Al at this point. Well, Dave, I was trying to tell you, I went to a concert in True. Weird Al is doing concerts now? Dave, just let me get a single thought out. Oh, okay, okay. But it better not be Weird Al or podcast related. But if it is, I don't want you to say anything until after I'm done. Uh, okay, deal. So as I was saying, I threw on my Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast hat in my Hawaiian shirt, my Weird Al boxer shorts, my accordion in tow, and I rode the bus to Troy, New York, which is just outside of Albany. Well, thanks for not saying anything that would trigger my Weird Al or podcast senses. Oh, of course, Dave. All right, well, this has just been kind of a chore to say a few pretty simple things, but what I wanted to mention is that I saw Ben Folds live in concert last weekend, and I specifically wanted to go because I was introduced to his music through his collaborations with Al. 
Nice! Now, Weird Al fans will recognize Ben Folds as the piano player on Why Does This Always Happen to Me, a song that in itself is a Ben Folds style parody, plus Weird Al does backing vocals on Ben Folds' song Time, and he directed the music video for Ben's song Rockin' the Suburbs. Thank you, Dave. You took the words right out of my mouth. And let me tell you, the concert was great, but it definitely would have been better if Weird Al was there. Well, it sounds like it was a really fun show. I actually saw Ben Foles perform many years ago in Las Vegas. He was incredible on the piano, a great performer, and people should definitely check him out if they get the chance. And Ethan, I know you've been performing a bit lately, but have you seen any other shows? Well, in fact, I recently just saw Stephen Lynch in concert. No way, the congressman? No, not the congressman, the comedy musician we interviewed back on episode 108 Inch. Oh yeah, I always get those two confused. So, how was the show? Well, the show was pretty stinking majestic. He played all the old favorites. He actually played a couple brand new songs, which were really good. And I got to spend a little bit of time with Steven after the show with Rod Cohn, his longtime sidekick, best friend, tour manager. So, we were talking about the podcast a little bit, and Rod goes, that interview you guys did with Steven was the absolute best Stephen Lynch interview I've ever heard. Wow, that's a really nice compliment from Rod. So remember during our interview, Stephen said he'd get me a copy of his demo EP CD, Half a Man? Yeah, and that's basically the placebo EP equivalent for Stephen Lynch collectors. Yes, exactly. So, I, you know, of course, I also collect Stephen Lynch stuff. So I was absolutely thrilled when at the concert, after the show, in the green room, Stephen Lynch handed me my very own copy. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Now, didn't Stephen say he had boxes full of them at his house? He did, but it turns out he actually did not have boxes of them in his house. He said he looked everywhere in every box, and he actually didn't have any left at all. So the way he was able to get me one is his longtime manager actually had two copies left back from when they originally got them printed up, and he was gracious enough to donate one of them to give to me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's really cool. I'm glad you finally did get that copy of that cool EP. Yeah, I love it. And I mean, I've never seen one in person before. So the fact that I have one now and, and you know, we got all those good compliments and it was a great show. It's just been great, Dave. Well, now, Dave, let's hear a little bit about you. What what did you want to talk about? Well, what I really want to talk about is the big news in this week in Weird Al related news. The big news, of course, is that this coming Saturday, October 23rd, is Weird Al's 62nd birthday. All month long this month, we are playing uh, well clips from the portion of our episode 2000-inch interview with Weird Al, where we all pretend it was October 2021, uh, you know, all that, to celebrate Weird Al's birthday. But if that gift is not good enough for now for Weird Al, we also have this very important announcement to give him as well. From all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, Happy Happy Birthday, birthday, Weird Al! Al! Well, Ethan, if you remember last week, we mentioned that Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast was trending on the comedy interview podcast charts in both Canada and Israel. Well, And this is really exciting. We can now add the good old U.S. of A. to that list as well. That's right. 
Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast is now charting in the comedy interview category for the United States Apple Podcasts. Pretty stinking majestic, if you ask me, Dave. It sure is pretty stinking majestic, and we owe that to all of you, our listeners. So from all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, a big thank you for your ears and your support. And if you haven't already, we hope you'll subscribe on your favorite podcast app. It means a lot to us, and it helps the podcast. Our good friend Dice Equilibrium continues to release her very cool Weird Al mashup videos on her YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram pages. We are completely honored that she has chosen audio clips from episode 127-inch and last week's episode 128-inch interviews with Weird Al Yankovic for her latest mashup videos. The most recent videos include clips from Weird Al's appearances on Circus of the Stars and the Winnin's Real Meaning of Christmas. Plus, she posted a video about Weird Al regretting his lyric choices, as well as one where he talks about that time he got a tattoo for a fan. And who was that fan? Why? Our very own Dave Elvis Rossi! Yeah, I was really happy to see that she used the audio clip from when we talked to Weird Al about me being on VH1 with him to talk about my tattoos. And she used video from that TV show, too. It was a really nice surprise to see me, albeit the me from 2003, and my tattoos show up in one of her videos. It was pretty sinking majestic. You can check out her videos that use our interview with Al, plus her other great Weird Al mashups, including her Bermuda Speak series at Dice Equilibrium. D-Y-S-E-Q-U-I-L-I-B-R-I-U-M on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. And we have some news about upcoming album releases to share that we think our listeners will enjoy. Our friend Summer Woods has a new EP called Chihuahua Hat, dropping on Saturday, October 23rd. A Chihuahua Hat, which sounds an awful lot like Poodle Hat, will feature Summer's covers of Weird Al songs, plus those awesome Weird Al original medleys that we know and love and have talked about a million times on the podcast. For more information on the new album when it drops, follow Summer Woods Music on Instagram. And fans of nerd comedy music will be thrilled to know that our friend Insane Ian has a brand new album available for pre-order right now. This is really cool. If you pre-order his new album, Illinois, you get seven tracks right now, plus the complete album the moment it is released. Plus, that's not all! The special pre-order version also includes Insane Ian's live set from Fumpfest 2021, recorded, of course, in Illinois, a.k.a. Illinois. For more information on Ian's album, be sure to check out insaneian.bandcamp.com. And speaking of nerdy comedy music, we have an update on episode 6-inch guest MC Lars, courtesy of Chad Kelson, a.k.a. Metal L. Now, Chad posted in our Facebook group, group.2000inch.com, a video of MC Lars performing True Player for Real on his fall tour. Now, True Player for Real is, of course, the incredible MC Lars 2009 hit song, which features Weird Al himself playing accordion. 
You can catch all of MC Lars tour dates over at mclars.com and you can check out more with MC Lars on episode six inch of our podcast. And now it's time for this week in Grammy Award winning Jim Kimo West related news. The song Blossom that Jim Kimo West recorded with Joss Jaffe dropped today, October 20th. And yet another single, Whispering Wind with Jura Kindle, will be released on October 29th. But that's not all. Tim Miner's holiday album, A Minor Family Christmas, will come out next month and features Jim on one of the songs. And if we have any Grammy voters listening, be sure to vote for Jim Kimo West. His album, Ka Hanua Mahalia Peaceful World, has been entered into the Grammy Awards category for Best New Age Album, Best Album Package, and Best Engineered Album Non-Classical. But that's not all! Jim is also in the running as producer for Anita Lurch's album, Love Is My Religion. Oh boy, how great would it be to be able to call him multi-Grammy Award winning Jim Kimo West? <laughs> well, from all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al podcast, congratulations to Jim Kimo West. And now it is time for This Week in Ethan Christian and the Eligible Spatulars Related News. Ethan's comedy music duo, Ethan Christian and the Eligible Spatulers, will open for the incredibly funny Found Footage Festival at WAMC's Linda Theater in Albany, New York on Saturday, October 23rd. Check out thelinda.org for tickets and be sure to follow at Spatulers on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Wow, Dave, that sounds great. I will definitely be there. And that is our last show of October and probably also of November. So if you've been itching to see the spatulers, now is your chance. Well, now it is finally time for this week's interview. We join part three of our interview with the legendary Weird Al Yankovic already in progress. I'm going to talk about the New York Times article that Sam Anderson wrote uh, a few years ago. And in it, we got a really interesting look at your songwriting process for a parody song. Uh, you gave him some alternate unused lyrics for white and nerdy. And I remember at the time, Dave and I said to Sam, like, well, did you ask Al what his process was for the originals or for the, the polkas? And he's like, I should have asked that. So <laughs> on, on behalf of Sam Anderson, um, I would love to get an idea of, of how you go into the non parodies for, for, for polkas or for the, for the, uh... Uh, originals i guess the originals well both if you if we have time well i got all the time in the world um let's see for the for the polkas uh it's a matter of what we get cleared so i make a wish list i you know i go through the billboard charts methodically and i you know analytically figure out like which are the songs that are super popular uh, which have like really strong hooks to them, which song, and mostly important, which songs would sound the most ridiculous in the polka <laughs> style. So, I, so I, I get my list together uh, and uh, I will like give Jay Levy like two or three songs to go after at a time. And he approaches uh, the publishers uh, and or the songwriters and try to get clearance for the, the polka medley. Because it's a whole different matter uh, getting uh, clearance for the polka medley as opposed to the parodies and again this gets very legal and technical and boring but but basically uh there's a thing called statutory rate 
rate with a T. <laughs> uh, with where 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 you spo- uh, there's mechanical royalties where you get a certain amount of like what I don't even know what it is anywhere nine cents per song, and which gets split up between uh, the the songwriter and the publisher, and it's just you know baked into the royalty formula. Now, when you're doing a medley, they have to agree to take a small percentage of that, meaning that like, okay, here's the amount of money we have for royalties for this one song, and your part of the medley is like 8% of the medley, so are you okay with accepting 8% oh, of, yeah, of this right, right. rate? And, and, and a lot of publishers are like, you know, this isn't even worth taking this phone call. You're wasting my time. This is like no money, <laughs> like, you know, so a lot of, a lot of times we have to go to the artists who re, who do stuff because it's cool, right. not because they make a lot of money from it and say, you want to be this polka medley? And they're like, yes, of course I want to be a polka medley. And then we go back to the publisher. Well, your artist wants to be in the polka medley, so sign the papers. <laughs> <laughs> when you say, you know, in your example, like 8% of the song, is that based on the length of time in the song or the split of how many songs? No, it's, it's the length of time. So okay. I, I, I go through the song with my stopwatch <laughs> and I say... I say, okay, out of three minutes and 48 seconds, this particular song is, you know, 12 seconds long. So let me do the math, blah, 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 and it's this percentage. And I, we give that to them. Here's something that you may or may not know. So people wonder what the earbook or polka is or the whatever polka, the Waymobi polka. There's like a, an original quote unquote polka on all of my medleys. And people say, oh, I know what the earbook, oh, that's the da 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 da. Well, no, it's not that. that and, in particular, what that is, what my original part of the polka is, is every portion of the polka medley that can't be attributed to somebody else. So that's how I get my little slice of <laughs> songwriting royalty. Like, whatever is left over from the pie of everybody else, I'll say, I wrote that. Because <laughs> you did. Because I did. Yeah. It's true. I mean, even though you have written 100% of the music that goes into it. It's just the lyrics. So is it just the lyrics, or can you then split that in half? Well, no, it's, it's, I, I, I did the, the, the arrangements. They, they still get credit for writing the music. I mean, that it's still their, their melody and their lyrics. Okay. Uh, and the arrangement, obviously, is, is completely different. Um, but but if, if anything is not recognizable as somebody else's work, then by then legally, I wrote it. There you go. <laughs> cool. I love it. <laughs> That's an amazing glimpse into Polka Medley. I know we talked about it a little bit earlier. Is there a, an example you can give us for your process for writing an original? Yeah, it's it's um, mostly I'm you know, writing pastiches for the most of my later part of my career. Um, and like, like I said, I, I would come up with ideas for songs and and match them with with uh, with groups or, or genres. And I mean, there's there's no real way to describe like how I come up with those ideas. I mean, sometimes. You know, I'll, I'll come up with an idea spontaneously. Uh, I used to keep a notebook by my bed in case, like, late at night I would come across, think of an idea for a song yeah. that I thought would be really funny. Uh, I mean, you, you've heard, I'm sure, interviews me, me talking about some examples of, like, like for Skipper Dan, like, I was literally at Disneyland on the Jungle Cruise ride, and the, the skipper was was making some kind of joke about his failed acting career. And I was like, oh, that's a song, <laughs> you know? And I I, 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 I I filled in his whole backstory and I made a whole song out of that. So, so yeah, sometimes yeah. it's like a moment of inspiration. And sometimes it's just, I don't know, just me kind of uh, 
walking around the house in a trance trying to think of some stupid idea. When it comes to the actual lyric writing process, you have a very methodical way of going through the parodies. Do you have the same kind of alternate lyrics, alternate verses, alternate rhymes that go into an original? I'd say probably not as many because with the, with the parodies, there's a template. It's like a puzzle. Right. It's like, okay, there's exactly these number of lines, exactly these number of syllables, you know, and also I realize the parodies are going to be the one, the more popular ones, you know, among the general population. They're more likely to get made into music videos and there's more pressure to make those good. And not that the originals aren't good and I spend, you know, a lot of time and effort on those as well. But I probably don't have as many alternate lyrics for those because those are just sort of, you know, all coming out of my head. In yeah. fact, when, when I wrote Albuquerque, I, I just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. And then when I started to edit it down, I thought, I'm not even going to edit this down. I'm just going to do the whole thing. <laughs> like, you know, it's gonna be, it'll be the last song on the album. People will hear it once, get super annoyed and never listen to it again. <laughs> that was what I thought. That's what you thought. And now it's, I mean, it's routinely listed as the number one Weird Al song when you yeah. talk to fans. Yeah, yeah, we sure showed you. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe there's something to that. Maybe maybe don't edit. I should just never edit myself. Yeah, just... that's, that's what I learned. Like, <laughs> it's all gold. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. <laughs> you know, I, I knew that you guys uh, would come up with questions that I've never heard before, and you... Uh, you followed through. You didn't. You did not disappoint. I appreciate it. Thank you. We tried. We tried. I mean, we we know all the answers to the other stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. All right. Well, I don't think we can get away without talking about this event. So back on August 27th, 2018, you of course you received the 2,643rd star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and everyone who supported the Weird Al Star Fund wants to know the answer to this very important question: How many times have you been back to the star, and how often do you go visit it? Well, it's uh, the first thing I do every morning when I wake up. I have my coffee and my bowl of cereal. Um, <laughs> Some people would call it soup. I call it a bowl of cereal. Uh, of and then I, of course, make, make the trek to the the, the star. And I, I, I hang out by my star. And I point to it a lot. People walking by. And sometimes I'll take a picture. Sometimes I'll just keep walking. And, you know, but it's, it's a good way to start start my day. It kind of like, you know, gets the juices flowing. And, and then I feel like I can go on with whatever else I'm doing that day. I would expect nothing less. And you recently got to speak at another Hollywood star ceremony that is for Don McLean. And at that ceremony, you read what appeared to me to be like a prepared press bio of of Don. And the way that Don said that you had to change your schedule to be there, it, it made it sound like it was a last minute thing for you to be there. So can you speak a little bit about that? Is there a story behind that, how you got involved in that ceremony? Not much of one, but uh, f first of all, Don McLean uh, had the 2700th star, so I was super jealous about that, for starters. <laughs> that that was, you know, maybe that's why he asked me, I don't know. Um, and and the thing about, I, I didn't really have to change my plan. I, I, I actually did. I bumped a, a trip to uh, to Cleveland an extra day because I, I had written the date down wrong in my in my calendar, and I'm glad I did this because I, I had it written down as, I think, the 15th. And it was actually the 16th, and I, the 15th was a Sunday. And I was like, I don't think they do these things on the weekend. So I called him up, and he's like, oh, no, it's Monday. I was like, oh, okay, got to change a flight then. 
So, but I mean, it wasn't a big deal. It was just you know, like, you know, I had it written down wrong and, and this other thing that I'm working on, which I can't tell you about, uh, <laughs> got, got pushed <laughs> another day. Um, Cleveland, and, Rock Hall. And, okay. I'm just speculating. Who knows? Who knows what that was? <laughs> I'll let you guess. Oh, so yeah. I mean, that, that was the gig. He was like, we want you, we want you to read this, this, uh, you know, mini bio of Don's. Which I did. I read it, <laughs> and then they said, and then call him up to the stage, and then just like go on for a minute about your relationship with Don. So the whole thing was a little weird because first I'm I'm reading this thing, which you know is what it is, and then they have me call him up, which they told me to do, and then he's standing behind me for like a full minute while I'm, you know, <laughs> talking about him. Which I guess I guess that's sort of par for the course because that's that's what all the that's what all the honorees have to sit through. They have to like stand there next to somebody saying glowing things about them while they, while they go, oh, yeah, thanks. Okay, thank you. <laughs> you know, um, I, I think I think Don McLean was, there's some video that say, I think he was making bunny ears behind me while I was talking about him. <laughs> uh, but that, that was fun. I mean, you know, I, I would n- never have guessed as a 13 year old kid listening to, uh, you know, American Pie on the radio that one day I would be speaking for him, you know, at his Walk of Fame ceremony. So cool. Would you consider your, you and, and Don friends? Are you guys, are you, you know, are you acquaintances or are you guys going out to dinner and lunch and that kind of stuff? I, I would I would say we're, we're acquaintances. I mean, I, I talked to him, obviously, when I got permission for uh, uh, for the Saga Begins. And I'm, you know, eternally grateful for that, which I mentioned at least once or twice in, in, in my in my speech. <laughs> um, but, but no, we, we don't really hang out. I mean, he's on my uh, email Christmas card list. Actually, he gets a hard copy because he's not, I don't think he even has an email. Oh, wow. He's like old school. <laughs> so he's one of the very few people that I have to go through the trouble of putting a stamp on an envelope for. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know we're we're uh, we're getting a little long in the tooth here, but I want to um, briefly talk about collecting because Dave and I are two of the most prolific collectors, and I, I put myself up there because I average with Dave, and you know when you average the two, you, you get bumped up a little bit. I, I think anyone listening to the podcast is familiar with. Uh, obviously, John Bermuda Schwartz's, you know, insane collection, uh, an archive of absolutely everything you've ever done. Are there things that you keep that that do not go to John? Things that you personally hold on to? There, there's a lot. Of, I've got I've got boxes and boxes and boxes of stuff, as my wife can can attest. Uh, there's stuff that John doesn't have. I mean, he doesn't. I don't think he has my old high school newspapers. You know, <laughs> stuff stuff like that, which which is pre John. Um, but, uh, you know, once John came into the picture, uh, you'd be hard pressed to find anything weird Al related that he doesn't have at least one copy of, if not five. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I've, I've got a few things that, that he probably wishes he had. <laughs> Will you care to share any examples with us? Well, when you come to my house, I'll let you go through the boxes. Okay. <laughs> Dave and I are oh, flying okay. out to LA. Don't say that. We're, we're going to be out there for your I, show. I, 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 <laughs> I think I think Sam Anderson actually went through some of the boxes. I'm not sure if he went through like the early early. He might have. Yeah. He might have. I mean, that would have been a good thing to ask Sam about. But yeah, he. I think I let him go through my old. Uh, in fact, I think that's where he saw my my high school valedictorian speech was going through one of those old old high school boxes. How mm. cool. <laughs> What about in the Who's Gonna Stop Me music video? We see a framed Hawaiian shirt. Uh, can you tell us about that or, or what other kind of memorabilia you have? Oh, good eye. Uh, that wasn't my shirt, actually. The, uh, those were Nina's shirts. Oh, really? She had, uh, yeah, she had these, these little Hawaiian shirts. And my wife 
just thought they were so adorable. And after Nina grew out of them, she decided to have them framed. So there's just a big frame of like these Nina's old Hawaiian shirts. Wow. For whatever reason. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and there they are. <laughs> Do you have any of your, your shirts displayed or anything from the for your career? I, I know obviously we've seen like on the um, the Fallon appearance and, and a couple other places, your incredible wall in your studio of, uh, of stuff. But um, is there anything in particular that you're especially happy to have on your wall? Oh, yeah, all of it. I mean, it's, it's hard to, you know, like narrow it down. I mean, every, everything. I, in fact, I've got, I've got too much stuff. I mean, it's, I've got, I've got so much uh, Al memorabilia that at this point, like if, if something else goes on the wall, something has to come down, you know, there's just, <laughs> It's just too much, but uh, <laughs> but it's, it's nice nice to walk into that room and look up on the wall and go, yeah, I've, I've had a life, I've I've done some stuff. It's nice. <laughs> well, let me ask. Outside of the Weird Al memorabilia, do you collect anything else? Do you do you have a collection of of stuff? Mm, not not really. Um, no. Uh, over ever since I got married, it's been a slow process of trying to simplify. <laughs> and 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 you know, I don't think I'll ever be a minimalist, but but it's it's all towards like you know paring down and going through things. And you know, I I think you probably heard the story about how when I got married, like I had to give several hundred Hawaiian shirts to Goodwill. You know, and and such uh, a shame. You know, I, all my. <laughs> Oh my! I had like literally dozens of boxes of fan letters from the '80s, which we just had to dump. I mean, which which mm. killed me because like those are like love letters, you know. There's, and and my wife was like, "What are you gonna be 80 years old opening boxes and going? Oh, somebody used to love me." <laughs> you know? Like, well, you're right, honey. I I I don't know if I'll ever read them again, but just you know. How can you throw them away? And she goes, "Oh, like this," <laughs> and, and they were in the dumpster. <laughs> Is there anything that you got rid of that you now regret and wish you had kept? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, I got rid of most of my vinyl albums because, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to blame everything on my wife, but but she was like, "Oh, you've got you've got those on CD, or you've got like the MP3s. What do you need like you know the vinyl for?" Like, oh, okay. When, I, when he told that to Questlove on his podcast, he was like, oh, should have gotten rid of your wife. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I don't think so. But he, but he's very into vinyl. So right. I, I think I, I think I triggered him a little bit. Right. <laughs> what about you? You know, you talked about the Hawaiian shirts. You you had a quite a Vans collection at one point. Do you still have those? Yeah, I, I still do. I mean. Uh, yeah, they're, they're downstairs. I, I don't wear them as, as much as I used to, but there's a, a, a pretty, you know, good collection of them. Uh, in fact, Steve Van Doren, the owner of the company, I mean, a number of years ago, I remember he, he came to my house uh, to visit and I took him down to the, the van's closet downstairs and he was like, I think it kind of blew his mind. He's like, wow, I haven't seen this in like decades. Like, oh, you still got these shoes? And oh my goodness, I, I forgot these even existed. Wow. So, I mean, it, it even <laughs> impressed him. So, you know, that's saying something. <laughs> Wow. And while we're on the subject of clothing, uh, what is the origin of those famous multicolored pants that you're wearing on the back cover of the first album? I got those uh, my last quarter in college. Uh, one of my professors had flunked me uh, what, what, in what I thought was going to be my last quarter in college, which meant that I had to come back for one additional quarter. Oh. Uh fall of 1980 that was yeah 
yes, fall of 1980. Um, so, so in in my architecture lab, which is my which is my big class, is the one that you know you work all the time on, spend sleepless nights. I think the last it might have been the last day of school or me. No, I take that. I think it was Halloween. I, I I'm, I'm going to say Halloween. Okay, let's say Halloween. <laughs> that may not be true, but probably okay. Halloween. <laughs> Uh, this guy, this guy in my class showed up wearing those pants and I was just drooling like, oh man, those pants are awesome. I love those pants. He was like, oh, I'll give them to you. <laughs> <laughs> so wow. he gave me these pants. I don't know where they came. I don't know where they come from or how, who made them or whatever, but he gave me these pants, which I thought were very cool. And, and that was it. I, I wore them on the first album cover. I wore them, you know, for the first tour i think but i mean they were sort of my iconic look in the very 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 early days of my career and they were just like some guy in my architecture lab like oh yeah you can have him he didn't take him off right there though <laughs> he came back another day i don't think so okay he probably gave them to me later okay but they, they were definitely a a a gift and i, I wish i could remember the the guy's name because i mean he's he's now a part of weird owl lore yes uh but yeah. uh, all, all i can tell you is it was a very generous guy from my architecture lab in my senior year <laughs> Did you trade him anything for the pants? Did you give him anything in return? Uh, I gave him this story on your podcast. You're welcome, (laughs) guy. (laughs) Guy who I can't remember his name. Oh, Al, I I still have dozens of questions. I I feel like we've kept you for so long um, here in the future. You know, Sam Levine got a two-parter, so if this isn't a (laughs) two-parter, I've got some issues. When you're making music videos, you're, you know, obviously for the parodies, you have a, a template to go, to go on. Um, but there's only been a couple music videos for original songs and especially for Dare to be Stupid, which, you know, is, you know, a pastiche of such an iconic band. What was your process like for putting that video together? Uh, well, you know, uh, thankfully, there are a lot of Devo videos to, to pull from. So we either did direct ripoffs of, of Devo, uh, Devo tropes or we did <laughs> did stuff that we thought uh, was Devo-esque or Devo-like. Uh, so it was one of those kind of things where, you know, uh, we just made lists of things like weird images that felt felt very Devo to us. And then we went down the list and said, OK, we'll do these. <laughs> so that, that was mostly it. I mean, I mean, it, we we had a lot of, of things to inspire us. I mean, Devo is one of the few bands making music videos in the early days. I mean, MTV had them in heavy rotation you know, back in the early days of MTV, just because they were one of the few bands actually making videos. Right. And, you know, so there's there's a lot to draw from. Are there any songs from your career that you wish had music videos? All of them. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't have the budget to do all of them. So uh, so we, I, I've, I've had to pick and choose over the years. Yeah. I mean, that would be a cool project. You know, the same way that some of the later albums had cartoon videos it would be cool to have. 100 plus cartoon videos made yeah i i remember i remember again going to the record company i remember we did uh the ricky video for uh, like three thousand dollars uh and it, it it you know it didn't like blow up but it, it did you know it did fairly well on mtv and i remember my record label came back to me and said hey if we give you thirty thousand dollars can you make 10 more videos i was like no. <laughs> wow. But thanks for offering. <laughs> On the podcast, we get to talk to a lot of people who say that they were starstruck when they got to meet you. 
Do you get starstruck meeting anybody? And if so, who? Um, I, I get excited to meet people. There, there aren't many uh, celebrities that uh, I get full on starstruck. I mean, the, I think the only time really that happened was Paul McCartney. Because, uh, I mean, he's just so bigger than life and he's just so important to me and so important to the world. And, and, and you know, that it's it was very difficult for me to like, you know, even even have like a one minute conversation with him. I mean, when I directed him for the, the Al's brain thing, um, you know, I only had like a couple minutes of his time and he was very gracious. Uh, and we did four takes of his his, you know, like his line in the film and then afterwards he just chatting about some movie he just had seen and and i was trying really hard to just be like yeah normal and conversational and uh yeah that yeah i, I yeah i think yeah, i've saw that movie and my brain's going you're talking to paul mccartney you're talking to paul mccartney <laughs> you know it's just and, and i'm sure he gets that like every day of his life it's like people you know it's, it's hard for people to like be normal around him because like you know I mean, the same way that you were screaming in your head, that's what Dave and I have been doing this whole time. So getting to talk to you. (laughs) Everyone we talk to on the podcast, every single person we've talked to on or off the podcast always talks about how incredibly nice and gracious you are. And I mean, we've experienced it firsthand. The fact that you're talking to us right now is uh, is part of that. And <laughs> how in your career have you been able to be so respectful and so nice to fans who are obviously screaming in their head every time they meet you? Um, you know, the, the, the big secret, I mean, I, I, it's not like such a secret, really, but but the you know, the the, the way to to be nice is just pretty much don't be a jerk <laughs> just like <laughs> just be respectful of people and you know treat them like you don't want to be treated like it's, it's pretty simple stuff i mean you know I, I i like to think i'm a nice guy and I, i've said this in interviews before as well i mean i don't know why i get singled out because pretty much all of my friends are nice i don't really know that many people that aren't nice uh i'm glad that people think that i'm particularly nice and and you know it's a nice reputation to have and i'm you know <laughs> i'm glad that's out there but you, I mean, there's being nice, and then there's also people waiting in line for hours at your tour bus and, and still signing autographs and stuff. I mean, that's 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 going above and beyond, Al. Oh well, you know, it's I, I know it means a lot to those people because when I when I've met you know celebrities at, as a young person, uh, I, I just remember what the experience was like, and if they're nice to me, then you know you know your interaction with with you know celebrities is oftentimes only a few seconds and that time that, that those few seconds are what you tend to base your entire perception of that person around so you know if you're nice to somebody for 10 seconds for the rest of their life they go oh what a nice guy and it's not like i'm pretending to be nice but i it's, <laughs> i'm mindful of that it's like like when when you're dealing interacting with these people you're you're building memories you're making impressions and and you know even if you're not feeling great or you're tired or you're just not in a good mood i mean you know you make a little extra effort and and you know uh try to improve the quality of somebody else's life i love that it's, it's such a cool way to be well thanks <laughs> Who are some of the people you met as a kid that that really, I mean, maybe at the time you were starstruck or just so 
excited to to get to meet. I have to imagine Dr. Demento for the first time. Oh, yeah. I mean, the first time I even talked to him on the phone, like I got through on the request line, I, I, and I remember I was like running through the house. Like, I talked to Dr. Demento, like really him <laughs> on the phone, me. It was like a huge deal. <laughs> and now I've got his email address. <laughs> Everything that I've ever heard about your parents or that they were wonderful people. What was their reaction when you first started submitting songs to Dr. Demento? Were they supportive? Did they like the songs? Were they fans? Yeah, I mean, they, they, they humored me. I mean, they didn't try to talk me out of it. I mean, my mom was not fond of the Dr. Mano show when I first started listening because some of the songs had, you know, sort of suggestive lyrics or got a little blue, some double entendres. And she, I think at one point she forbade me from listening to the Dr. Mano show, which at which point I had to like, you know, pull the covers up over my head with the AM FM clock radio and listen to it surreptitiously late at night. But, but once I started, you know, uh, getting airplay on the radio, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think they were you know happy that I was happy and they certainly uh, were, were supportive of that in that you know they didn't say you know why are you wasting your time with that stupid music <laughs> it was like <laughs> they, they they enjoyed it. and and you know as as time went on and and I really started developing a, a career uh, they were both proud but my dad in particular my mom my mom was very quiet. Uh, and my dad was much more outgoing and gregarious and, and he would go up to complete strangers. He would go up to like the person, you know, the checkout woman at the grocery store and whip out my senior picture from high school and say, Hey, you know, this guy, you know, this guy, that's my son. Eat it. You hear it? Eat it. So they were, they were always extremely proud. Wow. That's amazing. Were, were they the ones that push you to major in, in architecture to have a thing to fall back on? Yeah, they, they never pushed me in any way in terms of career. They, and, you know, uh, they, they were always very supportive. I mean, they, they knew that I was a good student and I was, you know, very adult minded. And, and uh, you know, I, I it wasn't like, OK, mom, I'm going to run off to L.A. and be a rock star. It was. <laughs> It wasn't like, first of all, I already lived in L.A., so I didn't have anywhere to run to. Uh, but but no, I mean, I, I always I never, you know, I never thought at the time that I'd have a career in, in show business or the music industry or anything like that. And and, uh, you know, uh, I picked architecture because I was uh, good. at You know, I thought I'd be good at design and I was good at math and I had a drafting class in seventh grade that I liked a lot. So hmm. like, yeah, OK, well, yeah, that makes sense. Um and then, you know, after I graduated and it turned out that I wasn't going to be an architect, uh, I, you know, they were still very supportive. My dad was like, you could move back and live, you could live in the garage. You could like, you know, <laughs> run your architecture office out of the garage. Like, yeah, I, no, but thank you. Thanks for the offer. Um, and and they, they, they're just very supportive no matter what I want, wanted to do, which, which is really great. I mean, I've, I've said this quote many, many times, but my dad always used to say that, you know, you're a success if you can make a living doing the thing that makes you happy. So so finding the thing that made me happy was was, I think, very important to them. And I think they were very glad that I was able to, you know, to do that, to be a success, you know, doing what I love to do. One thing that um, I don't know if we've ever really talked about this on the air, but sometimes when we track down certain people from over your, <laughs> you know, your career and your life, um, they very respectfully are like, we're ha I'm happy to do an interview, but I, I need to get Al's permission first. And I would say 100% of the time you've always 
given the blessing for people to talk. So first of all, I just want to thank you for that. And then I have two follow-up questions. Are there any people that you regret saying yes to? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> is, is, is there anyone that we should try and track down? Is there someone who maybe we haven't thought of that would be a, a great guest? I'm always impressed with the people you get on the show. I mean, like, oh, what a great idea. Oh, I'd love to hear what this person has to say. So I don't think you need my help to track people down. I think you've been doing a, an excellent job <laughs> uh, over the course of your podcast, finding these interesting people that have like added so much to my life and my career. Um, I, I can't think of anybody offhand that I regret <laughs> supporting with that. Are you, are you thinking of somebody in particular? I don't know. It's... No, I, I just, I'm curious. <laughs> No, I think I think everybody's been great. It's it's been a it's been a real pleasure to to listen to to, to your show and to to hear all these people from my past. People, some people of which I haven't heard from in years, to to hear their stories. Sometimes slightly factually incorrect, but stories nonetheless <laughs> <laughs> of, of their association with me. Back when uh, we were tour chasing the strings attached to her, we recorded a bunch of bonus episodes and. There were a couple times where we we uh, hypothesized that maybe you heard us say something and you changed something or adjusted something in the show. Is there any truth to those thoughts that maybe we had? Um, can you think? Give me a specific example. I'm not remembering. I've had. I can give you an example. At, at one point in the early shows, there was in the strings attached tour. There was a plexiglass between the orchestra and and the band, and there were all fingerprints on it for the first couple shows, and then. Somebody, either Ethan or myself, made a comment. I really wish they would wipe those fingerprints off so we could see the orchestra better. And then the very next show after that episode aired, the fingerprints were wiped off of the the uh, the plexiglass. So we were hypothesizing that perhaps you or somebody in your crew had heard that and changed it for that reason. I will say I, I did not hear that, but I, I've hired a, a staff of people that exclusively listen to your podcast and say, whatever notes they give, just make it happen. Just do whatever Dave says. So they are on it. Anything I say gets a second review, however. Yeah, but Dave's got carte blanche. Nice. <laughs> And as some of our other guests have, have mentioned, I don't know if it was a members of the band or, or some of the backup singers mentioned that, you know, during the strings attached to her, you would, you would be listening and checking out YouTube videos that fans have posted and, and maybe making notes. I would just love to hear about, you know, that process and what things might have changed. Well, it, it's important for me to hear those because... Well, how about we stop right there? Sure, that works. And how about we keep playing the interview for the whole rest of the month? Yeah, the whole rest of the month. So, yeah, we'll just play the rest next week then. Yep, exactly. All right, and then we will be done talking to Weird Al. Yeah, well, at least for now. I'm sure we had much more to ask him in episode 2000-inch. Yeah, you're right, Dave. Gosh, I just wish this wasn't so confusing, and we could just say we recently interviewed Weird Al. Now, we could say that. But then we would be lying to our listeners. As we've stated many times on the podcast, Weird Al has made it perfectly clear that he absolutely refuses to be on Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast until episode 2000-inch with zero exceptions or loopholes. So any appearance before episode 2000-inch is eh, just a clip or a preview, and it was certainly... 100% absolutely recorded in 
the year 2057. Yeah, you're right, Dave. I'd never want to say anything to our listeners that wasn't completely true and based in absolute fact. Oh, that news means that we have a message on the 347 Spatula Hotline. The 347 Spatula Hotline, the official hotline of Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, is sponsored by Angel Valenzuela and David Cash, two amazing Weird Al fans and longtime podcast supporters. All right, it's time for our intern Frank to play the message. Hey, guys, this is Dave Grant, you know, Sebastian Shepard, WolfandWool.com. Uh, hey, I wanted to call, uh, because I think I've just cracked the code. I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat. Hang on a sec. Okay, it's on. So Al is turning 62. Happy birthday, Al. That's 26 backwards, which is one less than 27, and we all know what that means. But wait, because one rhymes with Juan. And we all know that Juan is the owner and operator of Taco Grande. And tacos, a favorite birthday menu item, are eaten on Tuesdays. And Tuesday is derived from the Proto-Germanic god Tiwaz, who is also known as Tyr in Old Norse, or Tiwaz Day. In Old English, he was a one-handed god named Tew. That's spelled T-I-W. And T-I-W backwards is W-I-T, which spells wit. And Al is known for his famous wit as a comedian and musician who only eats vegan tacos and burritos like Burrito Burrito. And he doesn't worship Proto-Germanic, Norse, or English gods, regardless of whether they had one hand or two and, and um, 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 Illuminati something something. So happy birthday, Al. Happy birthday. You finally are at that age now where the sky will open up and we will see the old gods return. <laughs> happy birthday! Well, a huge thank you to our new listener, Dave Grant, for that amazing phone call. Uh, actually, I'm pretty sure that was David Grant. No, no, no. He specifically said Dave Grant. Dave and David are not the same name. I mean, they pretty much are. Dave Grant. That name sounds like someone who would have written books under a pseudonym. Someone that has a nickname that's different from their real name. Someone that has a website that has nothing to do with their real name, their nickname, nor their pseudonym. All right. Well, what does the name David Grant sound like to you, then? David Grant. That name sounds like someone who raps. And not just regular rapping. Comedy rapping. The highest form of rapping. And not like currently, like 10 years ago, rapping. And it makes me think they also sell merchandise. And it also makes me think they post a lot on TikTok. I think you're describing exactly the same type of person. Anyway, I wish we could talk to whoever it was that called and left a message on the 347 spatula hotline. Oh, yeah? Well, what would you say to them? Well, I would tell them to go over to wolfandwool.com and follow at SEB underscore SHEP on TikTok. This week's episode is brought to you in part by Discover Darwin, promoting tourism in Darwin, Minnesota. Not only is historic Darwin, Minnesota beautiful, it's also jamming gears and hauling freight. Darwin, Minnesota is home to Train Monkey Truckin'. Despite its name, Trained Monkey Truckin' is not operated by trained monkeys. Wow, that's good to know. Do they at least transport trained monkeys? 
I do not see trained monkeys listed among the 1,832 items that trained monkey truck and transports. Well, how about untrained monkeys? Funny you should ask, Dave. I actually called them the other day, and I asked if they would transport some untrained monkeys for me. Well, what did they say? They said, gotta pass. Oh, did you happen to ask about spider monkeys? They said, gotta pass. Squirrel monkeys? Also a gotta pass. How about vervet monkeys? How about gotta pass? Hmm, pygmy marmosets? Let me guess, gotta pass? Actually, for pygmy marmosets, they said, I must politely pass. Hmm, How about Michael Nesmith? Dave, are you just going to list every type of monkey you can think of? Yep. I'll make it easy for you. Trained Monkey Truckin' said they do not transport any mammals of the infra-order simiforms. Huh? Primates. They don't transport primates. Hmm. Okay, well, how about bananas? Actually, yes, bananas would fall under fresh produce, which they do transport. So visit Darwin, Minnesota on your next expedition. Discover Darwin, more than just a twine ball. And after you visit Darwin, Minnesota, be sure to visit discoverdarwin.biz. All right, Dave, I regret that I need to even share this with you and the audience, but our intern Frank made a huge mistake last week. No surprise there. What are you going to tell me next? The sky is blue? I know, right? All right, well, get this. Last week when we were talking about Why the Last Man, I mentioned that there was a tweet by a Why the Last Man actress and David Cross's wife, but I did not actually say her name, Amber Tamblin. I mean, I'm always willing to blame Frank because he usually deserves it. But Ethan, I don't know. On this one, it kind of sounds like You messed up. How is this one even Frank's fault? How is it Frank's fault? How isn't this Frank's fault, Dave? Last week, when we were recording the episode, Frank, as we always require, we have him write out the script in Quill, in triplicate, and he handed me my script, and it was a little bit smudged. So I ripped it up, and I threw it in his face, and he handed me the second copy. Which, out of principle, I ripped in half again, because I figured if the first one was smudged, the second one would be smudged. So finally, he hands me the third script. And you know what, Dave? He knew that last Wednesday was my chewing gum Wednesday, and I was chewing up a whole bunch of gumballs, and as soon as he handed me the script, I had to just spit them out and hide them throughout the script because you don't want to hear the chewing and the smacking as I'm recording and the wad of gum just happened to land right on her name so when I was reading the script you know if you listen back to the episode you can hear me say David Cross's wife and then I try to pronounce what bubble gum looks like as if it was written out and I'm assuming Frank then edited that out and he should have edited in me seeing Amber Tamblin because I talk about her all the time, Dave, but he didn't. And of course, that is why it's Frank's fault. Yes, that makes perfect sense. I'm sorry I ever doubted you, Ethan. It is totally, totally our intern Frank's fault. Absolutely. I would never want to say anything to our listeners that wasn't completely true and based in fact. And Dave, you can take it from me. That is exactly what happened and why Frank is out to get me and make me sound like an idiot. So hear me now and let me give you my assurance that everything Dave or I have ever said on the podcast is all based on solid scientific documented evidence. So you would have to be some kind of moron not to realize that every single one of them is absolutely true unless adulterated by intern Frank. Where was I? Each week we were able to bring you our completely true and absolutely based in fact 
podcast absolutely free thanks to our sponsors Burrito Burrito, Discover Darwin, Jackson Scoggins, David Grant at WolfandWolf.com, and Angel Valenzuela and David Cash. And thanks to our amazing close personal friend Patreon supporters, Frank from the Bank, Kenneth, Jared, Jake, Javier, UH Jeff, Zeb, Allison, Scott, Blair, and our newest close personal friend Patreon supporter, Adriana, and thanks to Jeremy and everyone else in our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family. If you enjoy our family-friendly weekly Weird Al podcast, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash 2000inch or by picking up some pretty stinking majestic official Dave and Ethan's 2000inch Weird Al podcast merchandise, such as t-shirts, mugs, towels, hoodies, and more, including our brand new line of Discover Darwin products over at shop.2000inch.com. Grab your copies of Black and White and Weird All Over and check out our special book series where author John Bermuda Schwartz walks us through the book page by page and picture by picture in this awesome series that Patreon supporters get to hear first. We love hearing from our listeners and other Weird Al fans, so please join our Facebook community and post about Weird Al by visiting group.2000inch.com. And we also love it when we receive voicemail via our official 27-hour-a-day podcast hotline, 347-SPATULA. You might even hear your message on a future episode. And for everything about our podcast, including our incredible past episodes and guests, be sure to visit WeirdAlPodcast.com or 2000inch.com. And keep up on new episodes, podcast news, and events by following at 2000inch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And thank you for subscribing and leaving reviews on Apple Podcast, Podcast Addict, Spotify, Stitcher, or the podcast app of your choice. Thank you once again to our guest joining us all the way from episode 2000 Inch, the legendary Weird Al Yankovic. And also thank you to Kenneth Gwinnup and Chad Kelson, a.k.a. Metal Al. Thanks to Dave Grant. And thank you to the Grammy Award winning Jim Kimo West for our incredible theme song. And a big thank you to all of you, our listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters and sponsors, and everyone else who makes our podcast possible. Thank you for listening to Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. And always remember to gill and chill. Whew. What does it? Another successful episode in the books, Dave. Yeah, it was a great episode so far, but we're not done yet. We're not? Oh, no, no. We still have a very important matter to attend to first. Okay, what are we forgetting? Let's see. We did this week in Weird Al related news. This week in Ethan Christian eligible specialist news. Jim Kimo and care the interview, the ads. Thanks everyone. I think that's everything. Dave, what are we missing? Well, for one, we haven't yet reminded people to tune in next week for this spine gill and chilling conclusion to Weird Al Tober and our interview with Weird Al Yankovic. Oh, that's right. Everybody, remember to tune in next week for the spine gillin chilling conclusion to Weird Al Tober and our interview with Weird Al Yankovic. All right, that should cover it. Ethan, you know we can't end an episode in Weird Al Tober without some of that sweet, sweet Mackenzie Brothers cooing. Uh, do I have to, Dave? Sorry, Ethan, but you do. It just would not be an episode of Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast in Weird Al-tober without some cooing. <sighs> All right. 
Coo, 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 coo. That was the worst cooing I've ever heard. Better? Better? That was Dave and Ethan's 2000 inch Weird Al podcast. Episode 129 inch. Now trending in the good old US of A. Uh, there's a thing called statutory rate, rate with a T, 